Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Daryl from Razor Cake here, uh, as you could assume. Um, today, we have an interview podcast with Chris from the band The Brokedowns, who are a fantastic fucking band. Uh, they graced the cover of the magazine in issue 52. Um, so, as you can tell, we've been a fan for a very long time, and we are always excited when they release something new, which they are. It's called Maximum Khaki. It's out on Red Scare, or coming out on Red Scare. Um, they have a vast catalog. I endorse all of it. I think it is um, truly unique, but also, as you will find out in the interview, um, you know, we're fans of the same bands. We have this shared interest in all of this, and uh, I just couldn't be happier that they exist. It was edited for listenability by our friend Matt Miller, whose contact information is in the show notes. Hit him up if you need something done. Thanks. All right, so even though you've all been around for a very long time and released a lot of full lengths and other seven inches, split seven inches, uh, you unfortunately seem to exist in the shadow of a different band. (laughs) Uh, who are who are a great band, but the similarities are really only surface level and based on proximity. Mm-hmm. This is where you guess what band I'm talking about. Yeah, I know the band. Dillinger 4. All right, so you both have this political snarl thing going on. Mm-hmm. D4 is an extremely literal band. Uh, yeah. You can pretty much always understand what the topic of the song is about. But I think Toys That Kills, Control the Sun, is an extremely political album. And it's yeah. all this very abstract... Uh, it's all very abstract and relies on the listener's like primal response to the imagery, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I place the broke downs lyrics. Oh, well, that's uh, that's interesting. You say that because I always like a, a criticism I always have about my lyrics in particular are that I feel like they are too literal, <laughs> but that's probably just because they're coming from me, you know. But um, yeah, both of those bands are hugely influential, obviously, and um, we are huge admirers of both. Uh, But there's still a difference with Todd C uh, because even like he, so with control of sun, he's like talking about an illegitimate president starting an illegal Mm -hmm. war. And uh, the broke downs lyrics to me, it's like more personal where it like makes it feel like you're like in the room with these people. Like, Ah. like when you say mama never knew about fucking freaks like these, (laughs) it's like, it's like I'm face to face with like Lindsey Graham or or the the rookie psychopath George Santos, who I feel like is going to inspire many broke down songs like before oh, his political career is over. Huge fan, huge fan. <laughs> I love him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. That uh, Control the Sun record, like in my mind, is directly attached to like the Iraq War, right? Probably because of that time. And yeah, you're right. There's nothing specific. There's nothing. There's nothing specific about anyone in there. It's kind of timeless in that way. But um, D4 aren't super specific about like uh, events, you know, and like either. But um, that's true. Yeah. Like uh, I'm saying, I feel you with that. Uh, that one like is directly linked to um, the Iraq war. The uh, night before the invasion of Iraq, I remember so vividly, like I can't remember. I think it was a Sunday was the night before the mm-hmm. first like missiles were launched was D four and the arrivals at the fireside. So like and, and all of those bands, like how old were you in 2003? I'm 44 now. So, uh, geez, 
Okay, so you're like 20, 25-ish. 20, okay. Yeah, 25. All right, so the Bro- Broke Downs has already been a band for like what, like a decade yeah. at that point? Yeah, we were a band for like, like, so I'm the oldest one in the band. Okay. By a couple, by, like, I'm two years older than Eric and like four years older than John. But John started the band when he was really young, like, like, four, like 13 or 14. And John, John's like 39 or 40 now. And uh, so he's like, but been doing the band. His entire like, fucking life. Yeah, since he was in middle school. But yeah. it, like by the time the four of us started playing together, that was around 2002, and um, we should have changed our name at that point. So like, really, we started around 2002. Yeah, it was like I don't know. Yeah, like I kind of of you're of this, uh, which know, is still, by the way, uh, fucking 21 years uh, ago. We, we, we don't. Still- we don't- <laughs> We don't really have to get into numbers now. <laughs> so we're still three times longer than the Beatles were around at this point. And I mean, you released, you know, most bands can release like one full length and Broke Downs have, what, like seven or something? I think that, yeah, this one's our sixth or seventh, this new one. Um, so yeah, this is a, an extensive body of work that's like yeah, rivals any majority of the bands in the world, obviously. It's uh, too much, right? You know, I that's personally... What you're <laughs> I'm personally just in awe, honestly. <laughs> oh, thanks. I make I, 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 it feels like a lot, but there's a lot of time between them, you know. Um, but and I've I've listened to the new one, and it's like it's still the same level of potency. There's no signs of slowing down whatsoever, and the songs oh, songs are still uh, perverse, and the structures are still bizarre, and it's <laughs> it's like at times I feel like it, this is like anti-music under the guise of like gruff midwestern pop punk oh wow yeah the word you said that clicked in my head was perverse because i think this is one is <laughs> some of the grossest lyrics ever and um deliberately perverse you know uh well i will definitely want to tap on later in this podcast <laughs> i i was trying to, i wasn't thinking I'd, I'd ever have to answer for some of them but uh oh uh, i mean I'll, I'll take I'll take my lashings. Put put your seatbelt on because I'm I'm ready to get into <laughs> the nitty gritty of the lyrics of the breakdowns right now. Oh boy, oh boy, I'll do my best. Um, I guess this main part at the beginning, there's not really a question here. I'm just kind of wondering um, how intentional this overall approach is, and like where you're coming from um, with this mode that you've been in since 2002 that that's pretty pretty unique i feel like oh i missed that last word what'd you say i feel like what you're doing is pretty unique oh thank you we're trying i mean that's the goal i hope yeah but just like the intentionality of it um and i mean i'm I'm obviously just you know you write what you are thinking etc but um like there has to be some is there some more like thought into the 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 process of the breakdowns other than just to write what you know there's so little thought put into everything we do. Like, it's just, um, you know, like a song pops in our head and then it just kind of comes out real fast. And like, we've got it down to where like the way we do things now, like we all, it all kind of changed about like 11, 12 years ago, the way we make songs. Like we used to like be like a normal band, all get in the room and work on a song. Uh-huh. And around the time I had kids, we started more demoing things. Like I would send the guys a really hilarious, ridiculous demo made on a keyboard. Wow. When, and, when, uh, you, when are you going to release those? 
Some of them, like, I swear to God, I love more than they're, <laughs> they're, they're really, I mean, it would sound like the spits or something like that. It, it could be cool. Yeah. But, uh, um, once we started doing that, like just demoing things, it all just comes together like so fast now. So there isn't a lot of mulling over things. And I think we're kind of, we have a weird dynamic too, where like I, I write most of the lyrics now, John used to, it used to be more of a 50, 50 thing. And huh. now I write most everything and john sings almost everything so sometimes me and john will talk about stuff um but it all just happens really organically you know i mean at this point it's just like a natural it's just a, a natural uh being that lives inside of you it must after you know over yeah. a decade yeah and and like we don't talk i mean we're also like not a full-time band at all we you know we barely practice so Right, you're sitting in a Staples right now, on hiding from your construction job. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I do with most of my time. Hide. Um, going back to the very beginning of the band, uh, I feel like the songs were always painting a larger picture that, when you read back on it all, feels very 2020, 2021, meaning. It's about like this moral collapse of our leaders and the de deteriorating infrastructure of our country and the madness that that will wreak on society. Uh, like, how did you feel when society was like on the brink a couple of, over the last couple of years? Um, well, I like what politically I'm, I'm like not shocked by any of it. Like, this is all just seems like a natural progression, you know, and mm -hmm. um. I was raised in a house with like, my dad was like a really crazy wild anarchist type dude. He was like a, he's like a Hunter S Thompson kind of guy, like a hippie who loved guns, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. so I was raised in a very kind of chaotic environment where like there was constant criticism of, of, of the system and stuff like that, but never like articulated just kind of general, like it's all fucked, man, you know? Yeah. Um, which is not wrong. <laughs> No, totally right, but never like nuanced or anything like that. And um, so I've just never, you know, it's this isn't a shock or a surprise. This is the natural, this is the way things go. It's like Trump, like we don't have any songs that mention Trump, but right. like everything we write is about like a culture that would enable someone like that, you know? Yeah. It's like literally everything we write, even if it's a love song, it's criticizing the culture at large in one way or another. Um, and trying to be funny about it in a way, you know, not too serious, obviously. Which, what's the love song? Love, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not really many of them. There's a couple on Life is a Breeze. There's a, there's one called uh, Born on the Bayou 2. Okay. And that, that song was like directly, my wife said something funny one time. Like we were, it was like winter here in Chicago and um, we live in the suburbs. And she was like, we're poor here. We could like literally be poor anywhere. Right. A cardboard box like, in Port-au-Prince or a cardboard box in Iraq. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I that whole song is based on her saying that, but I guess that would be the most lovey song we have. Uh, because there's another one on there. I sing that, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, but it's, like, yeah. So you're always talking about these, this fucked up system. Um, but it's just like what the broke downs lyrics like truly captures like the m mercilessness of these people who will just like <laughs> do 
whatever the fuck they want and don't care if it, everything gets just leveled in its way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it, I, uh, but in a way, it's like um, it was actualized in this horrific way um, that's, that when you go back and you read, uh, you know, Species Bender, you're just like, Jesus Christ, this is what they were talking about. <laughs> like, this is the hell that they were describing this whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's getting uh, it's getting weirder for sure. Everything's so weird. I have kids too, so it's like back then, like I didn't have that whole album. I didn't I didn't have kids, so my perspective is <laughs> it's pretty bleak. But you know, like again, like growing up the way I did, and especially growing up with punk rock music and growing up with D four, all that shit prepared you for this. You know, right. there was never the you know this this is exactly how it's you know. Yeah. Nothing shocking here. So yeah, we never we never trusted these people. It was just yeah, who who knew how untrustworthy they could become? Right, but like like George Santos is like a great like that is a like I mean it's a very current thing. Right, that's a perfect uh, like indictment of of our system. Like that a guy like that can rise to the ranks. You know what I mean? And he's like he's he can exist like he's probably going to be fine. He'll probably get reelected. God, Jesus Christ. I hope um, he does. But and you know what the most pathetic thing about it, uh, in my eyes, is like people who aren't uh, like people who don't have any who don't ever have to compete with him career wise, mm-hmm. like Kevin McCarthy. It's yeah. like uh, he's it. It is what it is. He's he's going to be around. But yeah. like, yeah. but like his colleagues back in New York are like, no, we got to get rid of him. But it's only because like they want his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're just mad he got caught. Right. Like they would have been fine. They don't. And honestly, like in the in the world of like grotesque politicians and everything like that, his lies are so fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, it's so fucking funny. Like the 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 shit where like his mom died on nine eleven and then she died like three years ago. <laughs> like I mean, that is like it's impossible to satirize. Right. It's it's fucking great. So bizarre. <laughs> well, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll tune back in with what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, where do you get your news from? Like on a regular basis, uh, you know, like I, 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 I'm a good person. I listen to NPR on my commute to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, uh, but probably nowadays, just fucking scrolling through the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you like this phrase? Uh, compulsive analysis comes to mind when I when I think of these lyrics, and it's like, is this mm-hmm. rooting back from? Uh, like influence on your father or like, where do you feel like this anal like this compulsive analysis comes from? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, Jesus, I don't know. I do feel, I, 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 hmm. it's just how I am, I guess. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, I mean, the analysis of, of culture in general or yeah, politics, culture, uh, I mean, for for whatever reason, it's the most interesting part of life. So it's the part <laughs> I'm thinking about constantly is just um, the larger culture, I guess. But you know, if I, for all the doom and gloom shit, like I actually like am kind of hopeful. Like I don't see this world we're living in much. Like it's fucked up because of the like they've always said that the time, the end is near for everyone who's like in in that period. You know what I mean? Right. Like every it's period all, has it's been all, terrible. Yeah, so. it's always the end of the world. Yeah, and, and it's always the worst it's ever been. But you know what? It's fine. It's it, you know people are gonna. There's good people and there's bad people, and uh, um, 
I'm not doom and gloomy really. Like, like that's, I guess that is like a, 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 a point I try to get through in the lyrics is, is to like kind of laugh about stuff. It's funny because, um, trying to find this. Okay. So and here's what it says in my notes. <laughs> I have hope for humanity. Even in whatever future hellscape that exists, there will be cool people doing something interesting. Right. But I read a line like, I've been running, but there's no running now. The pleas and warnings, the freeze every morning, the frost is forming, and I'm never thawing out. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't interpret any hope from the breakdowns. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, yeah, that, that is, that's a song in particular is not about, uh, the larger culture at all. And that's more about like a particular experience. You know what I mean? Got it. So like, but yeah, sure. No, I could definitely, it's not like I don't tap into doom and gloom, doom and gloom rules. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tap into it every now and then. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you didn't, you would just be what avoiding it your whole life and thinking it didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, like totally. Uh, all right. So should we jump into some more uh, specific stuff about lyrics? Sure, whatever you want. You're my captain. All right. Uh, if I were to describe a song, or, uh, do you think you would be able to guess it? Ooh, maybe. Like the lyrics or, or like what you interpret it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a uh, a one-sentence description. Okay, I'm a gambling man, Daryl. Let's do this. All right. The heaviest song ever written about sharing. <laughs> And this is this is just to give you a hint. This is from the the aughts. Okay. Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know what that would be. All right. It's mainly in, uh, inspired by the ending of the best of Lee Greenwood. Oh, that's a super deep cut. But, Holy shit! I haven't thought about that song in forever. But it's like that's a CD. That's the first CD. That was the first material I'd heard from the Brokedowns. Okay. So that shit is. Yeah, like, that would that would be our George W. Bush uh, Iraq War era. Yeah, yeah, for this sure. Is, this is like right, written right at the end of like his second term, maybe. Oh, what was that? I missed the last part. Like, did that come out in like two thousand eight? So it's like, yeah, that that actually was really weird because that came out, yeah, like two thousand eight. But we recorded that I think in two thousand five. So we actually recorded that before New Brains, okay. and it just sat. It was supposed to be a split with another band, and it just sat forever, and then came out like three years later. What's also funny about uh, that CD EP? Um, what six songs or eight songs? I can't forget. Yeah, six, six songs. Okay. Uh, you kind of tipped your hand as one of your influences that a lot of people outside of Illinois probably would never have known about if you didn't cover them on that CD. Uh, uh, uh oh, V Reverse. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Where it's just like yeah, yeah. When I when I heard V Reverse, I was like, okay, I get, I get, <laughs> I get like. The linearness of this musical project now, what they were drawing from. Yeah, yeah. Doug, who's in the reverse. Uh, do you, are you familiar with Doug Ward? Yeah, yeah. He was fourth rotor. He's in a great band called Drilling for Blasting right now. Right. Um, a huge, hugely influential uh, dude in our life. But, All of his bands. But I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, because I was familiar with fourth rotor, but not V reverse and oh yeah, and, and the current stuff. Yeah, he was in a band called Eight Bark before that, which was one of my first shows I ever went to. Was Eight Bark, and they're fucking incredible too. Hell yeah! He just never stops making cool shit. That rules. Um, all right, another track. God is. I blew. The, I blew that one. Let's 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 double or nothing. All right, there's, this isn't really uh, like a trivia question, but more of just a regular interview question. Okay. Uh, God hates math. 
this is like mm-hmm. this satirical song where people reject the principles of math in the same way that I, this is how at least I interpret it, that they're comfortable with rejecting science. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the rare broke down tracks where I kind of feel like I understand what the song is directly trying to say. Mm-hmm. But there's this line in it that says, Ptolemy means shit to me if I can't feel it in my gut. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I have to look up because I'm, a, a, you know, a normal person. Uh, and is the work of the astronomer and mathematician Claudius Ptolemy something that's like in your head already? Or are you like on Wikipedia looking this stuff up to write the song? No, like so. I am a. Uh, I, I have no education, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not a well-read person or anything. But Ptolemy, I, I do have like good trivial knowledge. I'm good at Jeopardy. Hey, that's I pretty could cool. Do, I could do two or three minutes on a lot of subjects, but you want to go deeper, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no. But um, that song in particular is about my dad and my family, who are like avid lottery players. Like their retirement plan was play, playing the lottery. How that particular w- song I wrote after my dad explained to me how stupid it is to go play blackjack at a casino <laughs> when he literally spends like a hundred bucks a week on the lottery. And I had to explain to him the chances of him winning at blackjack are outrageously higher than the fucking lottery. So, uh, are we talking no, scratchers but, or like, um, like the draw? Oh, scratchy. Uh, but the, the, the ones that really like, the ones that really fire up my family are the big money ones. Powerball. Um, yeah. That shit. Go, you, they'll call me and I have this huge, I fucking hate the lottery. So my dad, my dad passed away a, a couple of years ago, but he used to, he used to call me all the time. Like, are you, you going to play? You gotta go. You gotta go play. Cause <laughs> I, I don't believe in luck or any of that shit, but I actually have a lot of really crazy good lot gambling stories hell yeah so i became this beacon in my my family are like atheists but they're like weirdly like spiritual about stupid shit so like one time i was with my dad at a diner and i saw the sign at a, at a, a gas station and it said win for life which is a lottery game okay and i'm like what's that he's like oh it's a game you you, you scratch it and if you win you win 50 grand a year for the rest of your life and i literally got up from the table and i walked over and scratched it and i won 500 bucks that rules I, like i just felt it and i went and did it so like from that point he's like oh the golden child right 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 he's so got he the would gift. constantly call me to play the lottery and be like you know what i bought a ticket and i fucking burnt it that's what i did i'm not playing the goddamn lottery but i have about five or six of those stories of just crazy good gambling luck like one time we were on tour and we were just like fucking on our ass horrible shows and we were in it was like a week of just terrible shows and we were had no money and i took five bucks out of band money and i went with one of the guys in the other band we're on tour with we're in um biloxi uh and we walked into this casino i put five i got like a chip for five bucks i put it right into a slot machine one pull and i won 80 bucks i'm like all right let's go (laughs) <laughs> walked out like i have 80 dollars which might as well have been eight thousand dollars right, right uh just to be like an asshole skeptic um do you have a lot of stories about putting in five dollars and not winning anything no i'm uh, I, I i because i don't like gambling i'm not a big gambler so most of my weirdly most of my gambling stories are like it just works out for me but i have one bad casino story where i, where I lost all my money but even then it was like 50 bucks and yeah, you know that's part of the fun sometimes. Yeah, 
Um, so is your reference to Ernest Becker, the cultural anthropologist, another one of your doing uh, two hot minutes on any topic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, re- I did read that book. Uh, I took really? a community college fucking class and this, I don't even remember what it had nothing to do with philosophy or anything like that, but the teacher mentioned Ernest Becker. And then I read that book like 20 years ago, the denial of death. Yeah. And it's just always been in my head a little bit. Um, but I don't, I, I don't have some greater understanding of philosophy or anything like that. But that song is about like, just having like denying your own, you know, cons- using consumerism to deny your own mortality. But, um, What's really you want a little sidebar here? Yeah, you can cut this out if you want. No, <laughs> they released out. the track listing like last week or something like that, and uh, we got an email from the Ernest Becker Foundation. Wow! Because I'm assuming Ernest Becker doesn't pop up in Google alerts a lot, certainly not in fucking punk band song titles. Yeah, and they want to interview me. <laughs> Holy shit! Ernest Becker, and I'm like, Ugh, I'll happily do it, but I'm like literally a high school dropout sitting in a parking lot of Staples hiding from my construction job, but I'll happily talk about <laughs> Ernest Becker with the Ernest Becker foundation. Um, I'm going to chalk that up as a win. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I'll be the first person without a PhD in the Ernest Becker newsletter. Uh, a couple years ago, I put uh, an illustration of Howard Zinn on a band shirt. Uh-huh. And I was like, if I can just get like this Howard's in like Instagram page to share this <laughs> post. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could sell like a shitload of t-shirts and they're nice. like, they don't want anything to do with <laughs> any kind of bullshit like that. <laughs> well, dude, well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to tell you how to run things, but throw her in a speck around yeah. <laughs> there. Cha-ching. There's one person with a, with a Google alert that's ready to <laughs> hop on it. I don't think Ernest. Becker has the, you know, the, you know, the kind of cachet that Howardson has, though. That's a bigger name. Yeah. Um, in the intro to this podcast, I'm definitely going to put in a line about Ernest Becker and see <laughs> see what happens. You're going to tank my interview, man. No, no, no. It's a, it's, <laughs> this is a, a proxy interview. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was, I'm emailing with one of the people from the foundation and I'm just like, I just want to make you fully aware. I, I am a dumb dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about. Academics love that kind of stuff. What's up? Academics love that kind of stuff. Have, have, you, yeah, seen, yeah. have you seen Goodwill Hunting? Sure. Sure. Yeah. You gotta be. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm the Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. All right, if I throw a song out there, you could tell me the events that inspired it, which we've already kind of done. Yeah. yeah, most likely. All right, let's go with uh, Led Zeppelin Three. Oh, uh, yeah, that song was about a particular conversation I had with my aunt, who was a doctor. She was my great aunt, and uh, she was kind of like my family is very like I, I always describe my family as like. Um, the family from the Royal Tenenbaums, but like three generations past, like the great, like we're like the great grandparents were like academics and doctors and stuff like that. And then all the kids just were like hippies. And then our, we're like, we're just crazy white trash. But like my aunt was a really successful doctor. Like one of the, and um, when I was like 17 or something like that, she was, you know, just trying to do some really like, Hey man, like you should, no, I was probably a little older than 17. She's like, you should, uh, 
you know, put some money away or like think about your future. <laughs> I think I was dropping out of high school and like, you know, yeah. doing something. And, and, and she was, um, so, and, and it was just like, I remember that like, lady, you don't know anything. Like, you know, I just had it all figured out. I was, you know, that kind of, that kind of, that old cliche, you know, when you're young, you have it all figured out. For sure. And she was giving me very practical advice. I was like, one of the things in there, like one of the lines about, uh, like taking care of your teeth was I actually was going to her to borrow money to get my wisdom teeth pulled. Oh, yeah. She's like, like, you really got to take care of your teeth. I was like, "Uh, yeah, I got a plan, all right? It's all working out for me. I mean, getting your wisdom teeth pulled isn't something you can prepare yourself for. I mean, it's something that... No, but in general, I just had very poor dental health. And she was just trying to give me practical advice. And I was like, lady, I know everything. Um, It's funny. So the line is... I learned all I need to learn at 17 with a metric ton of LSD inside of me. I watched the pyramids get built from the nosebleed seats. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always kind of said, whoever is writing these broke down songs has done the perfect amount of hallucinogens. <laughs> <laughs> Their brain has been totally rewired to write songs like no one else, but they're not so fried that they can't write a good punk song. Dude, you're, 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 I feel like you know a lot about me. So (laughs) I took acid before any other drug. I was 14 and I took acid for a little, like two year, three year period. And, uh, we had, uh, in my area, we just were flooded with acid in the early nineties and it was so available. So me and my little group of friends, we would take acid, you know, every couple of weeks, but, but we, we couldn't get pot. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. It was so weird. And then a couple of years ago, I Vice made this documentary about like the Walter White of acid. Wow. And he was in um, the Quad Cities, just like 100 miles from us. And he, his period of activity was like 1988 to like uh, 1998, which is like that right. window of time. And it totally right. makes sense because like the mall by my house, there'd be drug dealers there, but they'd only have acid. <laughs> there'd be 10 different people like, hey, you want acid? It's like, Jesus. That's acid must be the, so in my my young mind like acid must be the most popular drug in America but right, like right, right. it's a Chicago land thing and a lot of people in my age group have a similar kind of story but you're right I did the perfect amount yeah yeah whatever anybody else says let the record show <laughs> yeah the last time I took acid I actually I stayed home from school because I had the flu for three or four days uh-huh. and it was like the last day of the flu and I'm like I feel great. And I was like, and I'd been waiting. My friends were all like, you're going to have the greatest experience with this. And I took this acid and I had the fucking craziest nightmare trip. And I never took it again. So, so it's been over 20 years now or something. Oh yeah. Easily. Like, like, yeah, like 25 or something. Hey, yeah. I was like 18 or something. Got 17. Your, yeah. Um, and you're still writing this really crazy music. That's great. <laughs> Because uh, there's another line in that song that goes, Hola, Mima, I've heard these beats before. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Hola, Mima. Hola, Mima, I think I've heard these beats. Yeah. Which is that's just that. like the weirdest, uh, very, that's a very strange sentence. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff is just like it sounds, but again, like I'm saying, like, I'm saying to the person dispensing wisdom, like, uh, you know, I've heard this, I've heard this rap you know what you're saying to me is nothing new that uh because in, in the in the song the protagonist is uh a know-it-all right 
So um, I guess I, I guess I, I'm ma- I guess I'm mainly focusing on the Ola Mima part, which I'm just like, how do <laughs> how do these words come together? Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff like uh, this is often a, a like a little butting heads with me and John because the way we write songs is so different. Like John writes with like melody involved, and I write to like rhythm. I write I'm writing to the drums more than anything. Interesting. And he was way more about like the melody and everything. So um, he's singing that, but I. Like when I'm writing that, I'm thinking of what will go with those that drum beat, you know. And wouldn't you know it, Ola Mima <laughs> went perfect with it. Uh, do you have a rap about how Led Zeppelin Three is the only flawless piece of art this planet has ever seen? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's my favorite Led Zeppelin album. It's also the title of an Apocalypse Hoboken seven inch. Um, oh, it is my it is my favorite Zeppelin album, and my fifth favorite Apocalypse Hoboken. <laughs> Shout out to Apocalypse Hoboken. Hell yeah. Um, where am I? Oh, yeah. Um, all right, so there's this new album that Toby probably really wants me to talk about now. Oh, yeah, you don't have to. No, no, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I just want to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called Maximum Khaki, and um, uh-huh. like I listened to it, and my first instinct was like, did he get a promotion at his job? I'm self-employed, so... So that's a no. no. But it, it is kind of like... It does feel like the writer like found themselves in this new circle of hell uh, that's <laughs> like slash like complacency and are like struggling with uh, what's expected of them. Ah, uh, okay. Was there any major life change like that or you just... No, but I am uh, self-employed and I am the sole provider of my family. So like just the pressures of life are definitely, you know, that gets written about quite a bit. Uh, um, was it important? Being be, being self-employed itself, like I, I'm my own boss. So it's like you would think gives you this like freedom, but um, it's actually quite oppressive because I have a thousand bosses instead of just one, you know? Right. Every Every client is... Another yeah, boss. everybody is my boss. Um, if I was in front of my project that I'm working on right now, I'd be like getting screamed at by a Russian dude right now. So that's why I had to go to stables. Uh, why is a 40-minute mile the better pace to run? <laughs> uh, so that song's about just like, okay, pardon my arms and legs because I'm not fully prepared. No worries. Um, that song's about uh, just innovation and good innovations that's why it's you know like van halen is is a very good innovation and osama osama bin laden is very bad innovation you know like i can see that playing playing a guitar with a power drill is fucking cool and new and no one did that before but like no one ever really thought about flying a plane into a building before either you know so and um it was inspired by like the the 40 minute mile part is like um this article I read about how it took forever to break a four minute mile. It took like for like 40 years. People are trying to break this. Who could break the, who can run a mile in four, uh, four minutes. Yeah. And the first time it was broken the next year, like two people did it. And then the year after that, like five people did it. And now at this point, it's not uncommon that like in certain high schools, like oh, yeah. people can do a four minute mile at this point. It's not even that crazy. So, you know, just apply that to any kind of, positive innovation and apply that to any kind of horrific mass shooting or horror you can imagine yeah oh, just, did i bring this down no no did, wait, I, run, I'm, Darryl, I'm, did I'm, I run the podcast 
the podcast is over. Uh, um, I always do this. No, I get it. you're just like yeah, do the opposite of of flying a flying a plane into a building. Yeah, or just like you know, once someone knows that you can do something terrible, it's almost like oh, we can do that now. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's what that is. Um, so what I'm saying is there's no reason you or I can't run a four minute mile, but we should, you know, fucking take 40 minutes to do it. I think, I think I could probably run a 40 minute mile. Definitely not a four minute mile. Yeah. I can land somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere. There. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, is that you singing at the end of the track, man graves, masculine caskets? Uh, no, that's John singing. Um, that kind of quiet voice. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be John. That is, uh, probably a standout, uh, that standout part of the album for me, where the listener, for the the listener, gets treated with these lyrics: "Polished, privileged, and pensioned, jacked off to bum fights, Criterion Collection. Are you a coward like me?" Yeah, jacks off like the guy beats off. The bum oh yeah, fights. yeah, jacks off to bum fights. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's some tasty lyrics right there. I mean, in in the in the lewdness is just like the piercing imagery to just like put, puts you in a very specific place of, uh, you know, the rawest level of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, yeah. Trying to describe a, the type of person, the whole song is a description of, uh, there's some people I work in construction and I work for a lot of developers and, uh, there's a ruthlessness to that business that the most successful people are the most predatory and the ones who are, uh, have no problem fucking you over and actually delight in it you know what i mean actually like that is an actual that's part of the that's woven into their business model is i'm going to shit on as many people as possible and you have to be a certain kind of person to do that you know and it's uh i don't you know hopefully you don't have that in you to do that but the most successful uh uh, developers are always the the most ruthless yeah this like okay so this like front row seat to this development industry is um, it's connecting a lot of dots for me specifically uh, in the terms of sick of space mm. we're having to like, I don't know. I mean, this, you named the album after that track uh-huh. and it's very much about, uh, you, you know, just the, the endless sprawl of consumerism and yeah, the, that, that one de- is like, like that, that whole album actually, like most of the songs on that one are kind of, more like again like kind of like the the one you were quoting before which is towards the end of that one like personal experiences and a lot of that is about like kind of growing up in the suburbs you know yeah and it's just like that because i mean that's harold is like the benefit of living in the suburbs you you get like access to all these stores yeah but i mean jesus christ how many stores do you really <laughs> need or want in your life yeah so we live in the far the where we're from is like the far west suburbs of Chicago and it's constantly pushing and pushing west. So there's these like levels of new development that are a little further west, but then they kind of leave the, you have these, all these abandoned buildings that are just like, fuck, like they're endless. There's just grocery stores that used to be there and they're gone because they moved a mile west for the new development. And it's just like such a fucking waste. It's, it's insane. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the valley's like you know that shit's probably the same. Yeah, it's all I mean, it's all settled out there though. Not you know. I mean, it's just backed up against the mountains at this point. Right, right. So it's well, the, the, you know what? Don't 
They'll get rid of those mountains. Yeah, so that, that's true. They, they have gotten rid of plenty of mountains. Knock them down and put up a Staples. That's what I say. <laughs> the With the best bathroom <laughs> yeah. in the whole city. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, do you ever... Do you talk to a lot of people about the lyrics? And do people, like... Uh, have there been any, like, misinterpreted lyrics? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few times, actually. Um, but, I mean, it's not really something people just, like, come up and talk to me about. But every now and then, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people don't really know I write most of the lyrics, too. So, like... Oh, just because you know. you're not the one usually singing them? Yeah, yeah. John actually gets, like, probably peppered with a lot more than I do. And how does he usually respond to that? Just, like, that's some crazy shit Chris wrote, or...? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not usually around him when it happens. He's probably like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what it means. I got to go. Is there anything else that you want people to know about the new album? Uh, Oh. Anything that you, personal meanings or uh, something you're really proud of? Uh, No, I I think it's cool. I think it's, it's, I'm proud that it's our shortest album. I think that's cool. Um, It flies by, I think. That's been the only criticism. That's been a big criticism, actually. I've heard from people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a uh, Mac from Superchunk in a recent issue of Razor Cake. He was interviewed, and he said that he's always trying to make albums shorter. And I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a thing we're very conscious of. Like that is one thing we talk about a lot. Like like, or we try to do a lot. You know, like just keep it concise and like. Why repeat a chorus, the exact chorus, multiple times? Like I, I can't stand that when it's like, you know, I you just the the worst one, and we have done this a couple times, is yeah. when you do the same verse, same chorus, and then the same verse and same chorus, and you don't even change the lyrics, anything. Yeah. yeah, it's just like what the fuck. But we there is a few broke down songs where we do that, so I can't don't get all high and mighty about that. But also, yeah, there's like all these broke down songs where it's just like nothing ever repeats. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to do that. Our next one's going to be like 30 seconds. It's going to be like a fucking Locust album or something. Right. <laughs> All right, there's think... a long one, though. That 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 one, Coward Like Me, that one's like three or four minutes, I think. So there's a couple long ones. But no, I think it's cool. It's a cool album. It's It continues in our tradition of uh, you know what we've been doing, all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great. And, uh, oh, thanks. But I'm really looking forward to this Locust album that you guys are going to do. <laughs> yeah dude appreciate you talking appreciate you guys still doing this band i think this music is excellent and uh i don't know when when the when i saw there was a new broke downs record i was delighted and it made me really start to think about the overall uh output of the band and how important it is well thanks so much man it means a lot i appreciate it all right i'm gonna cut the interview right here uh i'm like wait one more thing one more thing Hey you, yes you, anyone has the potential to be a Razor Cake contributor. If you don't see or hear what you'd like covered, lend us a helping hand. If you're knowledgeable, knowledgeable, about, knowledgeable about DIY punk, are open to the editing of your work, can meet deadlines, follow instructions, we'll consider your contribution. Drop us a line at razorcake.org slash contact. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support what we do, please order a subscription to Razor Cake magazine at razorcake.org slash subscribe. Get 112 pages of DIY straight to your door every two months. Interviews, articles, comics, and reviews about bands that you definitely aren't going to find in the checkout lane or even those fake indie websites. RazorCake.org slash subscribe. This podcast is supported by the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors through the Los Angeles County Department of Arts and Culture. Any findings, opinions, or conclusions therein contained therein are not necessarily those of our grantor. Thank you, and good luck.